it is no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. And I love that so much because I think that so many of us in this day and age have a lot of anxiety or we have a lot of sadness or depression or loneliness or all the things at different times. And we end up feeling somehow as if it's a personal character flaw that we're doing something wrong, that maybe it's our own inability to cope or something like that. Welcome to the Daily Authors Podcast, a daily podcast all about books and the authors who gave them life. Each episode, your host interviews a new brilliant author as they reveal inside information about their incredible books and inspiring lives. Now, here's your host, Aaron Gendel. Hey, Aaron Gendel here. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. It means so, so much to me. And maybe you've been thinking about writing a book of your own. And if so, do not wait. The world is hurting and needs your help. It needs your book. I would love to help you on your journey to write your book. So simply email me at Aaron at dailyauthors.com and I'd love to hear about your book idea. Now enjoy the show. All right. Thank you so much, Liza Kindred, for joining me on the Daily Authors Podcast today. So excited to have you and talk to you about your book, F This Meditation. 108 tips, tricks, and ideas for when you're feeling anxious, stressed out, or overwhelmed. Thanks again, Liza, for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we jump into your book, would you mind just telling us a little bit more about you and yourself, your work, and what you've got going on right now, Liza? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. Uh, So it's kind of an unusual title, F This Meditation. Uh, And it started uh, with actually really an Instagram community that I've been building and a style of meditation that I've developed, which has been a little bit of uh, antidote to my own personal experience. I've been studying Buddhism for about 12 years and meditating and uh, teaching meditation for about three years. And a lot of what's out there around meditation, it doesn't, well, the teachings, the wisdom is really there for me. There are a lot of parts of it that haven't resonated with me because there's a lot of things out there about meditation that kind of imply that meditation is really blissful. And if you do it for a while, you're going to be a totally different person and you won't snap at your family or swear or whatever it is. And That's not been my experience. My experience has definitely been that meditation has changed me. Having a daily practice has really changed the way that I interact with people. But I still, as a New Yorker, I still get frustrated and I still swear. And uh, and meditation for me is really gritty and raw and, and real. And to be totally honest, the more time I've spent with teachers or people with these deep practices, the more I've understood that they're all like that too. Uh, Just some of them are choosing to present themselves a little bit differently. So kind of on a whim, I created F This Meditation, uh, really wanting to see if it resonated with other people. And it has, and it's been so fun to see how many people are maybe meditation curious or are already doing some practices, but are not necessarily feeling comfortable in that like all bliss, whitewashed, meditation space and are happy to have a place where they can kind of like be themselves and express themselves. And so, so I have this community called F this meditation, uh, which started, like I said, from that Instagram account. 
And I also have a business called Mindful Technology, where I help companies to build tech that puts humans, that kind of values humans more than machines. So those are the two main things that I'm doing. And I've got the book that we're going to talk about, but it really is all about kind of spreading this message of, hey, uh, everything is okay, even though, or everything for us is okay. Maybe there's things that are really challenging and difficult that are out there in the world, but we still can take these kind of small steps to do some good in the world and to do some good for ourselves. That was a long answer to your short question. <laughs> that was a great answer. <laughs> well, maybe you could boil it down for us and help the listener understand maybe how you differentiate the meditation that we might know or have maybe tried and what you recommend or what you feel is different about F this meditation and um, yeah. maybe some tips that you would give the listener today to help them with their meditation. Yeah, absolutely. So and that's, you know, the tips, that really is what the book is. It is, as you said, the subtitle, it's 108 tips, tricks, and ideas. It's really practices uh, that go anywhere from one minute, five minutes, all the way up to like an hour or more practices that we can do when we're feeling um, like crazy or ang having anxiety. Uh, and fully half of the practices in the book take five minutes or less. So that's one of the main things that really sets it apart is that it's pretty quick stuff. It's, I, I, I think that having long meditation sits is really powerful and really important, but I don't think that it's the only way that we can approach meditation. There's a lot of other things that we can do. So my background I mentioned is uh, in Buddhism. I've been studying pretty seriously for a long time. And everything that I do is based in ancient wisdom and ancient traditions. And I have a lot of respect for, uh, for the history and the wisdom and the lineage. But I put a modern twist on it. So I'm not making this stuff up. <laughs> and uh, I'm not in any way suggesting that, like, oh, I found something that works for me, so it's definitely going to work for you. Uh, what I'm doing is saying, here's lots of different things that you can try, and you can see uh, maybe this one works and this one doesn't or whatever. That's fine. Uh, just kind of see if there's something here that you can kind of keep in your back pocket for when you're stressed out. So one of the, uh, I think it's worth the whole price of the book, and I'm going to give it away for free, is tip number one. <laughs> I think it's the, the most powerful thing in there. And that is that when we make the conscious choice to have our exhale be longer than our inhale, when we shift our breathing a little bit so that we're exhaling a little bit longer, we're actually activating our parasympathetic nervous system and we will start to bring our stress levels down. So we'll start to bring our heart rate down and bring our blood pressure down. And that is something that I use every single day when I'm starting to feel my anxiety start to creep up a little bit or I'm starting to feel a little stress is to just take a couple of conscious breaths where I'm just exhaling a little bit longer. Right. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be 10 minutes and it doesn't have to be a super long breath. It's just about signaling the brain like it's okay to stand down. So those are the kind of tips that are in the book, really simple practices that are proven to work, but don't take a whole lot of time. That's awesome. You say that's your number one tip though, the, the breathing. It it's just so, uh, so accessible. One of the other things that I really tried to do with the book is to do, to offer a lot of practices that you can do when, and no one has to know about it. Like, 
you can kind of do it in secret in a meeting or when you're standing online. There's another one that I do a lot that I really love and it sounds and is very simple. It's just to feel your feet. And I do this when I'm standing online, as we call it in New York. The rest of the country says standing in line. I don't know why that's different. <laughs> but uh, when I'm standing online, uh, getting stressed out or in any kind of situation, to actually just take my focused attention on the feeling of my the bottom of my feet in my shoes or on the ground or wherever my feet are just to kind of breathe in and focus on that feeling and feel the support of the ground rising up to meet my feet. It's a practice that takes 30 seconds or 60 seconds. It can be really grounding and centering and you can do it. No one has to know. Like I could be doing it right now and you wouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) I was just doing it while you were talking to me. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. And so I, you know, like I said, in a meeting or when something stressful is going on with the family, it's like, we can kind of just go into ourselves a little bit and just take a little moment to ground down or to center or, or that kind of thing. And so uh, that's what I'm really hoping to offer with those kinds of tricks. It's, I think it's full of, you know, like I said, not every tip will work for everyone. And that's totally cool because there's a bunch of them, but it's full of a lot of little gems, I think. Well, we just got a couple. So thank you for sharing those with us, Liza. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask one other question about your book and just boil it down to for our listeners. If they could just get one thing from your book, um, what would you want them to take away from it? Yeah, the number one thing I'm trying to do with the book and with every bit of work that I do is to try to convey the message that if we're stressed out and we're anxious, there is nothing wrong with us. We are complete whole humans who have everything that we need. In the world of wellness or what I call the wellness industrial complex, there is this idea that inherently we need to be always fixing ourselves or making ourselves better or improving. There is an author who has a book out there called Made for More, which I think really implies that you're not enough because there's this constant idea of be better, do more. And that all that is about changing things. The message that I'm trying to offer is this message of accepting things, accepting ourselves rather as we are. Uh, We may want to change things, but if we can love ourselves and we can be in touch with our own inherent wholeness, uh, then we can really come from a place of strength. And so I reject the idea that we need to constantly be like bettering ourselves, even though I've gone down that road myself. What I really hope is to offer up this connection to everything inside of ourselves already being enough and already being okay. Beautiful message. Thank you for sharing that, Liza. Let's talk a little bit more about you and your influences. I'm always curious to know a little more about authors and what's really helped them to be at a point to write a book because it's a big accomplishment. And I want to say congrats again on your book. Thank you. Who has influenced you the most in your life or who or what has influenced you, Liza? Yeah. So this book, I was telling you a little bit about this, Matt. The the book really kind of came from an unconventional place in that I originally wrote the book for my daughter who was getting ready to graduate from high school and she was getting ready to travel on a gap year by herself. So go off around the globe solo. And I started to have this feeling that I maybe hadn't taught her enough or (laughs) given her enough, uh, which I think a lot of parents can probably relate with that, especially uh, as our kids go out into the world in various ways. 
but I decided that I wanted to uh, take all these kind of things I've learned for myself over the years that have helped me to feel better, that have empowered me to take care of myself, I wanted to codify them. And so it started as a spreadsheet, uh, as most of my nerdy projects do. Uh, and, uh, and I just started kind of listing things and categorizing them. And, and then I was inspired by my mother had, uh, she, she's very frequently making projects, making little books and things like that for her grandkids, not for, um, not for accolades, not for publishing, but for the creativity of it. And she had sent one of those books that she made. It was a little book called Not My, not my Grandkid. Uh, and it was basically kind of showing how all of her individual grandkids were superheroes in their own way. <laughs> and she printed it out and she stapled it together and she sent it to all her grandkids. And I was holding that and I was thinking, I can make this spreadsheet into a book. I don't need to print out on paper, I can actually make it be something physical. I mean, printing it on paper is physical, but I can make it into like an actual object, something really nice. And so I had a designer that I worked with who was so wonderful and took such love and care. And uh, we designed it into a book and printed it out on (laughs) (laughs) blurb.com. And I gave that book to my daughter for her graduation. And it was such a wonderful moment. And then later I was contacted by the publisher asking if I thought about doing a book. And so I actually had this completed book when I, uh, my publisher told me I was the first person that ever gone into the first meeting with the publisher with a book in my hand, uh, which was (laughs) great. It was a great way to work with them. They were a wonderful publisher. And so they edited it down and they made it really gorgeous. It's a really cute book. It's pink and purple and says Ephesus <laughs> on the cover. And thank you. I feel really good about that. So it turned into this spreadsheet and this kind of almost like feeling of guilt, like, oh no, I haven't done enough. And turn that into this book, which in some ways feels a little bit like alchemy. Yeah. Well, so your, your daughter really inspired you at the end of the day and then to Absolutely. prepare her for life essentially right <laughs> yeah and you know it's so funny I don't know I don't know how much she's used it although I will say we had this moment this is before the book came out but we had gone to uh mother-daughter surf camp in Nicaragua uh-huh, which amazing. was yeah it was so <laughs> great and really spending time with her is one of the great pleasures of my life she's a gem and so we had gone there but she got really sick when we came mm. home and she ended up in the hospital, which what they think now, they're not sure, but they think it was dengue fever. Wow. Uh, yeah. I don't know what that is, but it doesn't sound good. <laughs> I know. It's a tropical disease that there's no, uh, there's no treatment for, basically. Mm. Uh, and there's no test for, which is why they don't know for sure that that's what it was. Uh, it's a mosquito disease, you know, uh. the deadliest animal on earth. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah. But uh, we were at the hospital and finally things were turning a corner for the better. And we had been told that we could go home if she could get her vitals into a certain range. And we'd, we'd just been there for so long, for days and days, and we wanted to go home, but her blood pressure was really high. And the nurse, who was so wonderful and was really trying to advocate for us, kept coming in to take her vitals. And we kept hoping they would be low enough that we could finally go home. And they just weren't. And finally, she came in and my daughter said, I'm ready. I'm ready this time. I'm ready. Uh, and, and she was so frail, just laying in, in the bed, so frail. She hadn't been able to sit up in days. But the nurse put the blood pressure cuff on. And it was like, I think it was like 110 or something like that. 
And, and the nurse was getting ready to take it back off again. All right. It's still not low enough. She wanted it below a hundred. And my daughter said, no, leave it on. And, and we watched the nurse and I, my daughter closed her eyes and the nurse and I watched and the, the numbers, it was like 110, 109 and really slowly. It just got lower and lower. And then finally it goes to a hundred and the nurse tears off the blood pressure cuff and says, great, a hundred. And we were so happy to leave. And, uh, it was just this moment of joy. And then later on, I asked her, by the way, what did you do? Yeah. Like, what was that magic trick? I don't I thought, oh, she just willed it to happen or something. And she said to me, mom, I used the breath trick you taught me. <laughs> and I was like, wow, it really works. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. I don't know how much she uses the tricks in daily life, but I know that she used that at least that one time and it really did make a difference in our life. That's great. Well, I'm sure she'll remember that one time and it'll come back to help her later. So, yeah, if anything, so. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, thank you for sharing your life stories and um, yeah, your inspiration for it. I really think it's amazing. I have a similar story in wanting to share my book and write a book for my kids, hoping it would help them later in life. And they, they're not all old enough right. to, to read it yet, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Can you do a kid's version of it? <laughs> It's a great idea. Maybe one day here. Yes. <laughs> I've got my daughter trying to write books uh, or try to scribble out some things, uh, a book about being grateful right now. So we'll what? See. Yeah. I love that. I would love to see that. Good for her. One of those things that's been a real pleasure for me is that I have young nieces and nephews and that they have actually taken the book and they will do practices from it. It's not written for kids. Although, you know, like I said, it's pretty cute. So <laughs> That's awesome. They pick it up. But uh, my my nephew, Jonah, who I just love so much, when his sisters fight sometimes, he goes and he gets the book and he tells them, okay, it's time <laughs> to do belly breathing or you know, whatever it is. And that just brings so much joy to my heart. That's fun. So cute. All right. Well, I wanted to jump into a favorite quote uh, and wondered if you might share one of those quotes that inspires you often. Yeah, yeah. So my favorite quote, and I mentioned this one over and over again, and I mentioned it in the book too, but I, I feel like it's so important. It's from a, a man named Jiddu Krishnamurti, who was an Indian mystic and poet and philosopher. Uh, and maybe you've heard it before. It's, uh, it's this, it is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. And I love that so much because I think that so many of us in this day and age have a lot of anxiety or we have a lot of sadness or depression or loneliness or all the things at different times. And we end up feeling somehow as if it's a personal character flaw, that we're doing something wrong, that maybe it's our own inability to cope or something like that. But what I think is happening is that we're living in a society, he calls it a sick society. Um, and you can see how that might apply to what's going on in our society, in our world right now. But, you know, I don't have to list out all the chaotic and stressful things that are going on around us. But I do want to say that if we're feeling anxious and stressed out and sad and lonely, uh, there's really good reasons for that. Like it makes a lot of sense and it's not necessarily if someone is 
really well adjusted to society right now, that's not necessarily a good sign. And it is definitely not a bad sign if we're feeling anxiety and stress right now, because things are kind of crazy making. And so kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, I love that quote, because it really, I think, illustrates beautifully and simply that uh, maybe it's not us, you know, we are responsible for taking care of ourselves, but maybe it's not our fault to begin with. Yeah. Very deep. Well, thank you for sharing it, Liza. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I just really want everyone to feel okay. I don't yeah. know if you can tell. <laughs> yeah. I think we're all a little too hard on ourselves for sure. And we don't give ourselves enough credit, right? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. That's one of the things I learned so much uh, in meditation for myself that has just shocked me over and over again is like how mean I am to myself when I sit in quiet. It's like the things I say to myself, I would never say to a friend yeah. or a stranger, but yet somehow it's like, Oh, this has been going on in my head for decades. You know, yeah, I absolutely. want that kindness that we give to other people. I want for us all to be able at least sometimes maybe to be able to give that kindness to ourselves too. Yeah. I don't think we can hear that enough. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the book writing process. And you mentioned it earlier and a really cool inspirational story of how you landed your book deal, which is amazing. I wondered if you might also share just some tips, tricks, anything that you feel like you learned along the way writing your book that could help someone who's maybe already written a book or someone who yeah. is, you know, wants to be inspired to write one today. Yeah. So this is actually the second book I've written. And the first book did not end up getting published, even though amazon.com says it did. That's a lie. Uh, <laughs> in a different life, in a different career, I spent three years writing a book about the future of commerce, 21 business models that are shaping the future of commerce. Uh, that also started as a spreadsheet. <laughs> but I spent a really long time writing that book, um, working with an editor, it turns out working, writing about the future is really hard because it like changes all the time and yeah. writing about technology, like, it's hard to happen over time because everything shifts so rapidly. But that book, uh, and, and it had already had pre-sales when the, um, the publisher canceled 25 books all at once, uh, including mine. Mine was the only one that was as far along. Some of the other ones were more an idea stage, but the publisher kind of shifted away from books and towards online courses. And so that book never got published, but it was finished. I did write it. And the process for that book and this book were so vastly different, like such different experiences uh, that it's been a great education for me to kind of see, even for one person, you know, it's still just me, but one was... Um, one took three years and was painful every step of the way mm. and felt like pulling teeth all the time. And then this one was a real labor of love. And so the other one was more of like a labor of career, shall we say, yeah. <laughs> where it was really about like um, raising my profile and my career and um, which there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, you know, I still want that for this book, but it was really, that was the drive behind it and the drive behind this book truly was like, oh, let me um, just try to be of help, you know? Yeah. And so this book was not painful. This book was a pleasure to write. I ended up writing this book in about two months. 
compared to the other book that took three years. Wow. So <laughs> if there's kind of one thing I could say about the process of writing a book, and, and you know, I, I have so many friends that have written books that have had wildly different experiences from person to person or from book to book also. Yeah. I think it's just that if there's a book that you want to write and you feel like you have it in you and you want to get it out, um, you don't know what the process of getting it out is going to be like, but I think it's really worth it to see that through and to hopefully be kind to yourself and compassionate to yourself through the process, uh, even through the difficulties of which there will very likely be many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great message for our listeners and those interested in writing it. Is it also just maybe writing about, do you feel like it's just writing about something maybe that you're more passionate about in the end or? I think so. Yeah. And also the format of this book was a lot easier because it's a list of tips and tricks. Um, you know, mm. there's the, I, the original book had a much longer intro and outro section, but they're pretty short in the published book. And then each tip was written individually. So writing 108 different tips was a lot different process than the other book where I was writing really in-depth chapters. Uh, that makes so sense. I'm already working on the next book, which is more of like a traditional format. And that one, uh, it's not going to take two months, but I'm also hoping it doesn't take three years. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see where it lands. TBD. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the third one will be. I always say the third one's a good one, right? <laughs> right. Charm, yes. I'm looking forward to being charmed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. I wanted to also ask about writer's block real quick and wondered if you experienced that through, you know, there's a lot of, obviously, a lot of tips and tricks, but you've been studying what you've been, uh, meditation and uh, yeah. practices like this for a while. So I didn't know if you could talk to that or if what helped you maybe overcome if you did? Yeah, for me, yeah, it has a little bit less to do with, with that, those practices in my life and more about creating uh, the environment that I uh, do the best in. So for me, I'm speaking to you today from uh, Miami. Uh, I have for many, many years had really bad seasonal depression that is just like completely tied to winter. And so for a lot of years, I've been coming down and escaping to Florida for some sunshine. And for me, that's about creating a space where I can get work done. And then on a more micro level, if I have to write and I'm not feeling it, if I need to do a writing day, I had to do this yesterday. I was writing blog posts yesterday, but I wasn't like feeling it. Mm. So I really did create a space. I cleaned out my office. I cleaned off my desk. I put some beautiful citrus scents in the diffuser. I put on cool music. I put on an outfit I was comfortable in. I, you know, I cleared everything out and made a really good environment. And then I sat down and I wrote, you know, it's like, we can't all always be escaping to Miami, but we can do those things where we clear off the desk and maybe get ourselves into the zone a little bit. So for me, that's been something that's been helpful. Wow. Great advice. Love it. What would you say now, Liza, that you've written technically two books? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what what uh, would you say has been the very best part of being an author for you and um, publishing your books? It's so funny. I have written two books, but I still don't feel like an author. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. I was talking to another friend of mine who also recently had her, her first book come out. And uh, we were kind of talking about like, do you feel like an author? I don't know. You know, I don't, I think that we, what she and I were kind of discovering, and I don't know, maybe if this is true for you, I don't know if it's true for any of the listeners, 
but I think I've gotten this idea that maybe an author is someone who makes their full-time living writing. I think maybe I've bought into that. And so even though, um, you know, I like, I literally like I have a book in my hand, but that has my name on the cover, but somehow I'm not totally sure. I haven't <laughs> sunk in yet, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I really have, there's kind of, to answer your question more directly, there's been really kind of two things. And one of those things is really tangible. And that has been the benefit to, to my career really, which is that when, when you're an author, when you're a published author, there's an, some amount of respect that goes with that. I did not go to college. I, I um, actually didn't finish high school, so I don't have a formal education. I've never worked at, you know, Google or Facebook or, you know, went to Harvard or whatever it is. Like, I don't have those kind of bona fides. But for me, like, having a book is kind of, it is a bona fide. Like, it's a... Yeah. I'm like, yeah. And so that's nice. That's a nice benefit. I've seen people in my personal life that have written books to kind of help their career. And that's been successful. That's been helpful. But on a less tangible level, it just, it makes me feel so privileged and lucky to have the kind of platform that writing a book has given me that I'm able to you know, even in my conversation with you today to, to spread the message that I really want to get out there in the world. Like I really feel strongly that I have something to say and I really feel deeply in my heart that, uh, this is a message that I hope can make the world a better place. So I have a lot of gratitude when people share with me. Uh, I had a number of people who are like therapists who are telling me that they're buying it and putting it in their waiting room for their patients uh-huh. to pick up. And I just feel so privileged and so honored to be able to. And, and I also feel a sense of responsibility, you know, like don't screw that up. <laughs> Come on, Liza. Yeah, but it, it feels really special and heartwarming. Not to be too trite, but it feels good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's something to be proud of. And it's a beautiful book. Uh, so I think they yeah, should be happy funny. to have it in their waiting room. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so funny. I keep talking about the cover, but I'm just delighted by it. It's like, I would yeah. definitely pick it up. It's bright pink and says, I'm going to have some people behind them, why they do all that huh? <laughs> right, right, exactly. it's, it's great it's great i love it all right well i wanted to make sure i didn't miss anything liza so if there's anything else at all you'd like to share or if there was a question you would have asked yourself if you were in my shoes what would that be um well can i ask you a question sure absolutely will you, will you um tell me what your motivation was behind your legacy book definitely so short story of my book was i got really sick I uh, had a chronic disease that I was diagnosed with and uh, did all that I could to the time I knew I didn't want to take medication if I couldn't didn't have to very expensive and just very bad side effects and I had a lot of I had a couple of small kids so I was very motivated to heal myself and I did so naturally without medication and have since run ultra ultra Spartan races and, 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 you know, come out writing this book and trying to help others get their message out. But when I was writing it, I was really inspired because I thought, Hey, well, what if my kids ever face anything like this in their life? Mm. And I said, you know, this, they say this could be something that's genetic. They don't know. So I wrote it saying, all right, well, what was the mindset? What did I have to do? Not only physically, but in the mind to, to help myself get through this. And uh, so, yeah, that really motivated me to just get it out there. Even though my kids are young, I knew it might be a little while 
before they, they could read it, but I knew it was fresh in my mind what I had done to make it happen and wanted to see also, obviously, to if I could help anybody else who was going through that. And I, you know, I feel like, like you have been a pretty cool part of writing a book to help others and hear them say like, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to do this as well. And it's helping me do this. So yeah, that's my story. Sharing that, you know, I didn't mention earlier, but part of what, um, what made me feel the sense of urgency to do the book was my own struggles with chronic illness. I have fibromyalgia that was undiagnosed for like many, many years. And I was at a point where I was actually feeling like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be around. And so I want to get this information that I have down for my daughter also. Like, I don't, I think I've learned a thing or two that might be helpful was really kind of that motivation. And let me go ahead and make sure that um, it goes out into the world and, and doesn't just like leave with me. Yeah, absolutely. That's the power I think of books. I believe is part of that leaving that legacy, right? They're going to hang around longer than we are. So <laughs> at least so. Our, yeah. our words will be out there. And there'll be, there'll be somewhere that if someone's interested in finding it, they'll be, it'll be there for them. So hopefully. Right. Yeah. What a, isn't that such an honor to have something like that that just lives forever? But yeah. maybe that can be a motivation for listeners if they're like not sure they want to push through the hard work. But man, a book is a book. Books are yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah, there's a quote by Ben Franklin I always refer to. It's basically says, if you want to be remembered um, when you're gone and rotten, then uh, either write something worth reading or do something worth writing about, right? So I like to to say and instead of the or, so I'm I'm trying to do both. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. You know, as a Buddhist, to be honest, we think and talk a lot about death uh, to the point where uh, my husband and my daughter both have told me to stop referring to myself as a future corpse so much. (laughs) (laughs) And so, which I listen to, I hardly ever say it anymore, even though I just did. But it's true. Like life is, life is short. We don't know how long it's going to last. And, you know, our, our time is limited, even if it's a hundred years, which I hope, you know, for all of us, it could be a hundred years, but that quote is so fantastic. Just do something, do yeah. it, do the thing. Do it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for sharing again, Eliza. It's been super fun having you on the show. Really appreciate yeah, your time and you. want to make sure that wanted to make sure the listeners knew where to connect with you online. So if you could let them uh, in on that and um, maybe a little bit more about what you're up to next. Yeah. Thanks. So F this is spelled E F F this. So E-F-F-T-H-I-S meditation. We have a really super active community on Instagram. You can search for the book. It's sold everywhere. Uh, F this meditation. Uh, The Instagram is F this meditation. The website is F this meditation.com. We are going to be launching online courses and uh, a formal community, a private community in the first couple of months of 2020 and are doing our first in-person retreat too. Awesome. Yeah. So if people are interested in this, uh, I also, I hope I'm not going to regret saying this, but I respond to all the DMs. <laughs> so there's a lot of times people kind of slide in there with questions about meditation or life uh, practices. And uh, I'm here hanging out, like trying to make my way with everyone. So if people are interested in this, um, come hang out with the crew at F This Meditation. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Liza. I really appreciate it. All the best in your future ventures and books and Thank programs. Thank you, you and too. Let's stay in that. touch. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again. 
Thanks for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. Be sure to visit dailyauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content.